Welcome to part two of the G2B podcast discussion of the Evil Dead with Scott Woodard and Arnold T. Blumberg. Even now we have your darling Linda soul. She's suffering in torment. You're going down. Evil Dead 2 is coming out celebrating its 25th anniversary with an all-new Blu-ray. It features an incredible all-new documentary. With everybody talking, and I'm not sure if you could still get it by the time you'd hear this uh, podcast, but they were previewing the documentary from the Evil Dead 2 Blu-ray online where you can actually watch the first 10 minutes of the documentary online for free. And just seeing Bruce Campbell sitting there talking about this for 10 minutes and discussing with such openness about the budget, the way the production came together. There's no barrier there like you normally hear in Hollywood stuff. He's just laying it all out, what they were spending, how they were trying to get this going, what they wanted their careers to be. He is totally honest, and it's really refreshing, and it looks like it's going to be a great piece on that uh, Blu-ray release. Yeah, I'll definitely be getting that yeah. for sure. And then, of course, they'll be, it'll be followed by 25 other versions. Oh, no, that'll be Army of Darkness. Yeah, well, yeah, then they'll do another Army of Darkness. One. Yeah. Something wrapped in paper. Yeah. I still have my latex-covered uh, special editions of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. With the... Aren't those all decomposing? No, they're people? in perfect shape. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, because I, I thought somebody, I, I thought I knew somebody said that was kind of rotting. No, they're great. I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's just the, the quality of air in here, but they're doing well. The Necronomicons are holding up quite well in this house. <laughs> As long as I don't open them or keep my face near them, they seem to be fine. Well, anything else about the uh, the original films you wanted to talk about? Well, we were going to talk about the toys a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can go ahead. I mean, one of the things that often comes up, I'm in many cases a recovering collector in the sense that I'm desperately trying to reject a lifetime of genetic predisposition to buy little plastic things. Uh, and it's not something I've been able to defeat wherever Lego's concerned. But with almost everything else, including action figures, I think I've been able to kick the habit. But it's kind of hard when you're confronted with absolutely perfect, beautiful little sculpts of characters you love from movies that always meant something to you. And over mm -hmm. the years, there have been some great Evil Dead-related toys, including some fantastic action figures of Ash and Evil Ash from Army of Darkness. There's a, a whole line of stuff coming up because with the remake, naturally, the obvious thing is, well, let's go back through the entire history of the franchise and find stuff that's going on. Uh, NECA or NECA, they're doing a whole variety of things. Evil Dead 2, Hero Ash, Zombie Ash, all kinds of stuff. They've done stuff. Uh, a whole variety of things have been out there over the years. And, and Mc, didn't McFarlane do a, an Ash? McFarlane uh, did them years ago, too. It was that they did a line of like horror icons or they something. They did horror icons, yeah, and they did a number of waves of different sets. And in, right. in one wave, for instance, that's what I was talking about before. They had uh, like the evil Ash and regular Ash. It's interesting in a way too because Bruce Campbell just has one of those faces. It's perfect for sculpting action <laughs> figures. He usually comes yeah. out looking pretty good. 
yep. any of these toys. So, well, I mentioned Mezitz, and they do these weird uh, sort of caricature-esque, bobblehead-esque kind of miniature figures. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a line, uh, Army of Darkness characters. And they're, uh, there's just so much stuff. I mean, the other thing too about it is as soon as you get a remake, you get merchandising going crazy and you get toys coming out, statues of Ash from Army of Darkness. They still keep reaching back to Army of Darkness for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, usually they look pretty good, but of course it's, you know, buy the figure, set it on the shelf and <laughs> let it collect dust for a while. I feel like these toy companies are, you know, approaching Sam or Ghost House or whatever and, and just saying, so we were interested in doing a toy line. And before they can finish the sentence, Sam says, where do I sign? Yeah, just do it. <laughs> just go ahead. Make six what do I Bruce care? and that's it. <laughs> we're done. Do we have to get an approval on the sculpt? Nah, nah. I'm sure it'll look great. Nah. <laughs> just make sure you get smacked around a bit when you do it and that's all right. <laughs> And then, of, and then, of course, um, I mean, there's, there's been a ton of merchandise, but there's been comics, of course. I don't know if you've yes. read any of those. I've I never Dynamo- actually read them, but there have been stuff. comics for quite a while. Um, Army I just read. Is the, uh, again, it, it's all this weird kind of licensing and legal-related issues related to this. Mm-hmm. And Army of Darkness is very much its own thing. And therefore, Army of Darkness was licensed over the years from by Dark Horse, later by Dynamite Entertainment. Uh, and they've done a whole run, a long, long run, actually, of multiple miniseries of continuing the story from Army of Darkness and also occasionally crossing Ash over uh, into other things. Ash has met Herbert West from Reanimator. Right. Uh, they've done a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash comic which had once been a potential movie project when that Freddy vs. Jason crossover did well, or at least well enough for them to actually consider doing a follow-up with Ash before Sam Raimi stopped that from happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, the comics have also crossed over with Xena, which has created the interesting, uh, cute joke that, of course, Bruce Campbell also played Autolycus on Hercules and Xena. So he's turning up his ash in a universe where there's a surprisingly familiar looking guy. (laughs) Uh, And they've continued to be doing them up to the present day, doing a variety of Army of Darkness comics. Yeah, I just saw uh, that we had one at work and it was um, uh, Ash with uh, Obama. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It was with the president. Army of Darkness, Ash saves Obama. Yeah. Four issue miniseries. What is wrong with these people? It's, and it, and that's the other thing. Army of Darkness also crossed over with the hugely popular and one of the things I most loathe that Marvel Comics has done over the last few years, which is their Marvel Zombies stuff. Oh God. Yeah. I'll have to talk about that sometime because <laughs> we'll do another yeah, episode. As somebody that. that loves zombies and talks about zombies as much as I do, you think I would have loved that, but I absolutely despise it on a visceral level. So I'll have to yeah. get into that. But they did do a crossover with Ash meeting the Marvel Zombies. And, Great. and one of the things about these comics is they try to preserve the same tongue in cheek, meta humor that has come to be associated with the series that really didn't come along until later. And apparently the Obama one particularly is very tongue in cheek and actually commenting on the very idea of how frequently Obama or just a president in general is incorporated into comics in the cheesy way that it's often done. And in this version, apparently they poke fun at that very idea while they're doing it themselves. Yep. And of course it has uh, Ash saying hail to the chief. Hail to the chief. 
Yeah. As he would. You know, as he would. As he would. Anything else on comics or toys? There's nothing else significant. I mean, it's there's just nothing. that there's just that there's so much. The comics. I know there's tons. The comics have built into quite a huge line, and again, mm-hmm. it all derives from Army of Darkness largely, and they've right. been very successful. I've often found myself personally there are certain series, certain characters, properties that for some reason I've never felt comfortable jumping to another medium with them. I don't find reading Ash on paper that enjoyable. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because he's too removed from Bruce Campbell at that point that to me he's synonymous with the character in the sense that, yes, you can write Ash and make him sound like that, but I know it's not really Bruce Campbell behind that image, so mm-hmm. I don't really connect with it. But plenty of people do, and obviously they're yeah. very successful because they continue to do them. No, they they have good lines in there, and you can totally hear, yeah. you know, Bruce reading them. But yeah, I can totally and understand. And there's some writers more than others that are fans and know very well how to nail that character down and get it right for the mm-hmm. comics. So they certainly do it well. Toys are another thing. You're either into toy collecting or you're not. You're either the kind of person who's going to collect the action figures or not. And certainly one thing is true is that this series has spawned its share of toy tie-ins and will probably continue to do so although i suspect the remake and its run not as likely as anything to do with bruce campbell which just seems Mm -hmm. to lend itself so much better to all that kind of merchandising and of course that does point the way to another major aspect of merchandising which is the video game world yeah definitely um and that's a nice crossover as well because in this case you have a lot of these video games that have actually used Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as as Ash. So, you, well, you might have issues with the contents of the comic books because you're not hearing Bruce read the lines. You are hearing him read the lines in the video games, and they were very smart, uh, even from a very early release, to uh, to make sure that Bruce was involved. And um, yeah, I, I have some, some interesting info on some of the games that have been done over the years. Shockingly, the very first Evil Dead game was released in 1984. <laughs> Evil, Evil Dead video game, just called The Evil Dead, and uh, it was released for the Commodore 64. Oh my God, I had one. And, yeah, and for uh, for our listeners across the pond, it was also released for the ZX or ZX Spectrum computer. Hmm. Uh, it was developed by a company called Palace Software in the UK. So that's a strange little license right there. I have no idea how they secured that one, but way back in 84, and it's pretty impressive. I have seen some gameplay videos on YouTube, and it's, it's interesting. Um, it's kind of, it's a, it's one of those top-down, you know, scrollers where you're sort of moving through the house mm-hmm. and having little, little puzzles and, you know, having to deal with, with the deadites. But across the bottom of the screen is, there's this more or less constant scrolling text. Uh, moving from right to left, and it's and some of it's in sort of the voice, not literally, but it's because it's just text, but in the voice of Ash, hmm. sort of describing what's going on, what you're seeing, and that kind of thing. Hmm. So pretty innovative in in some ways. But I mean, you know, we're talking eight bit computers in the mid eighties. Sure. Um, but then uh, things kind of jump ahead because it's sixteen years after that we get the first. Um, release of something a little bit more significant, which was Evil Dead: Hail to the King. Um, which I guess was released to coincide with the re-release of the of the VHS and I guess the DVD as well, mm. uh, which would have been 2000. And that was from Heavy Iron Studios, and it was, uh, as I say, Evil Dead, Hail to the King. It was for the PlayStation, the Dreamcast, and PC. 
and uh, Bruce Campbell did the voice work. So that's pretty cool. And they uh, they had a fun trailer, a fun TV promo that they produced for that. Well, are we ready to take a look? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's perfect! Oh, God. Got anything smaller? All you need is a chainsaw for an arm and a shotgun to be just like Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead. Hail to the King. Hey, isn't that supposed to be a chainsaw? You want a piece of this? Yeah, I didn't... Rated him for mature. Come on, you freak! Help! Come on, take it like a man! chasing me! Um, after that, it was uh, Evil Dead Fistful of Boomstick, which came out in 2003. So just a couple years later, obviously, there was enough success with the, for the uh, Hail to the King. Uh, and that was for PS2, PC, and Xbox. And uh, again, Bruce returned on that. And, and, it, and it's set in Dearborn, Michigan, where Ash has to once again battle deadites and apparently it's a lot of people i haven't played any of these that's the tragedy <laughs> all these years and all these releases and i haven't tried any of them but i think i'm going to try to track a few now is ones. that the one that has his sidekick sam the half deadite uh no that's not until 2005 oh, okay i'm so ahead. yeah yeah just but just a little bit there was so fistful of boomstick comes out in 2003 and then there was a cell phone game which was produced by THQ Wireless. And I could hardly find anything about it. And it's really funny because even on Deadites.net, they were like, we can't find any information. Mm. But you get mentions of it. But there's just no details. So I don't know if it was one of those weird little ones that came out. It just absorbed (laughs) anybody that played it. I think so. There's like nobody's talking about it. Nobody's sharing images of it. It's just gone. The cell phones would just drop to the ground, you know. Hey, whose phone is this? There's know. just here by a pool of black goo. Play the game. <laughs> All right. Join us. Join us. Uh, so yeah, it was 2005. That's when uh, Evil Dead Regeneration. Regeneration. Comes out. Okay. Uh, and that is so far apparently considered the best Evil Dead game that's been released, and that introduced a half deadite sidekick named Sam, voiced by Ted Raimi. <laughs> Hey, we need to get through here. I can feel it. Too thick to slice and dice. That cave might go through. And will you look at that? It's all custom designed for pulse-free loudmouths under three feet tall. Max! Max! Mother of all disease! Lords of unholy pestilence! What is your malfunction, shrimp? Quit pole dancing on my leg. And then uh, now most recently, there actually are some iOS games that have been released for iPhone and iPad. There, there are current games. You can play them right now. There's an Army of Darkness defense game uh, from a company called Backflip Studios. And then there's also Evil Dead the Game, which is a, a 3D adventure game from a company called Trigger Apps. And it's one of those ones that sort of has those big-headed avatars mm-hmm. um, where you sort of walk around in, in various locations. You're sort of – it's a half 3D. I forget what they call that that perspective where you're not straight down on top. You're at a slight angle above them. Right. And, uh, but uh, what I've seen in researching that one is that it is just seems to be plagued with issues. (laughs) So probably best to avoid that, but that's still a pretty healthy line of, um, you know, releases for ultimately what it, you know, is not the biggest budgeted (laughs) series of movies in history, but with enormous cult appeal. And that's all that matters. And driven, until recently, of course, in the new movie, driven almost entirely by one single man and a persona 
that mm-hmm. became so larger than life that it's basically the persona that he has built on through every other role in his career. Oh, totally. And in some sense plays in reality as well to the point where you don't even really know when you even meet him in person if you ever get to the real person much <laughs> at all because he's sort of always playing that role. Where does Bruce end and Ash begin? Exactly. Right. Yeah, and and so that's you know, – it's a magnetic thing. So naturally it transcends the fact that it may not be the biggest Hollywood uh, franchise in the world. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually wondering, as you were listing all those games, and particularly in the world we have today, uh, with all the gaming that's going on more so than ever before, with mainly also because of accessibility with online gaming, that no matter how this movie plan we were talking about earlier might or might not happen, if the likelihood is greater that the first time we might see a melding of movie universes might be Mia and Ash teaming up in a video game. You may very well be right, and I would imagine they would both characters would be voiced by the actual actors. Yeah, I think that would work really well. I think that would avoid all the tonal issues you were talking about earlier, because with a video game, you just don't have to worry about that. Well, they would still it would be a scripted game. I'm sure, sure, but but yeah, I think you would accept it a little bit more as a video game because you could say, well, you know, this is the world, and I'm interacting in it, Mm -hmm. and Bruce, you know, so there I go. Ash can be Ash, and Mia can be Mia. Hey, I'll swallow your soul! I'll swallow your soul! I'll swallow your soul! <laughs> swallow this. Don't go away. More of the G2B podcast is coming right up. Oh, we should actually mention, because you said Bruce, it all began in the 70s with Within the Woods. Oh, yeah, yeah. And as any fan of the Evil Dead series knows, they had shot a sort of proof of concept 30-minute short called Within the Woods that then evolved into the first Evil Dead. And it had a few people that didn't turn up in the movie, but it had Bruce, it had Scott Spiegel in it, and... um what was interesting about that was for many years it's remained elusive with people involved in the production either not really wanting it to see the light of day, maybe because they thought, ah, well, it's, you know, it's really rough. People saying that it didn't really exist anymore, that there was only one lousy copy. And from what I understand, only recently in the last year or two, it seems to have popped up online in several places. And yeah. it comes from what seems to be an incredibly dilapidated videotape copy <laughs> that may have come from Tappert. Um, Rip, Rip Tappert. Rip Tappert. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where this comes from, by the way. We saw Rip Tappert on. And you can go online. There are a few places that we're hosting it that have stopped or it's been removed, but you can still find it if you look. Yeah. And you can watch the entire 30 plus minutes of Within the Woods, which is, an incredibly rough going experience. If anyone grew up as both of us did in an era in which you would still have been trying to tune in late night television with antennas and rabbit ears, you can, or trying to watch cable or videotape through copy protection or some kind of protection, <laughs> you'll get a sense of nostalgia that's overwhelming watching this because the damn thing doesn't stay still for a second. It is blurry. It is constantly not pixelating because 
things didn't do that then, but rippling and color shifting and it's just awful. But it's also, I found it amazing to watch because Bruce is Bruce in it. He's playing, he plays Bruce. Plays Bruce. Right. He plays a very different character. He's a bookish nerdy guy with glasses who's fascinated with the history of the place that they've come to, which as we find out in Within the Woods has nothing to do with Kandarian demons and deadites, but is instead, uh, the cabin, which by the way, the cabin is, although it's referred to as a cabin, if I remember correctly, actually said as a cabin and within the woods, it actually looks more like the farmhouse in Night of Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting connection right there. And it is specifically, uh, on Indian burial ground land. And he uncovers the dagger of a buried medicine man and incurs the wrath of the Indian spirits. And it's a very, very different approach to it with only the barest connections visually and otherwise to what we come to know. And yet somewhere in there are a few kernels of what becomes the Evil Dead franchise. And yet clearly when they went to do the very first film, they already stepped away from the cliche of doing the Indian burial ground thing and created their own mythology to start building on. But it's a lot of fun to look at if you want to look back at the very beginning of where all this all this started. Maybe until we're told to take it down, we can share it on our pay, our website. Or we something. might be able to find a link to share, yeah, until told up. You know, always check, but, check yeah, our Facebook page. Or we could do that. On our website. Um, well, one thing I definitely want to touch base on before we wrap this up is um, there there are some other games out there. If you're not necessarily a video game player, there might be something else out there for you. If you're um, a tabletop gamer, um, they actually have uh, crossed over into that realm over the years, including uh, an Army of Darkness board game which was released in 1993 by Leading Edge Games, which is now long defunct. I don't know if you're... Do you remember them, Arnold? No, no, not really. You, well, they, they're they most no to, known for doing an Aliens game. I pro, um, I remember a, or, seeing that, yeah. but I wouldn't have necessarily known what the company was. I wouldn't have been it's, as familiar with that as you would have been, so... Yeah, I mean, they did, they did Army of Darkness, they did Aliens, and I think... And, oh boy, I, I'm, this is my, my geek cred is failing here, but... Um, they did uh, Aliens, and I think there was a board game and an RPG. I could be wrong. And a line of miniatures. But either way, those are very highly sought after by collectors. And they also did uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula based on the Coppola movie. Sure. And Living Steel, I think, was theirs. There were a couple other properties. But but they did have this Army of Darkness board game, which you can play solo or you can play up to eight players. It's basically uh, another battle for Arth- you know Ed Arthur's castle uh, castle defense type game, and you take on the roles of the various main characters versus Evil Ash and his uh, army. Um, and then they also released a line of miniatures that were Army of Darkness inspired, which are very, very hard to find, even though, strangely, when that company went out of business, they were blowing those things out. Mm. Like, you'd go into a game shop, and there would be like big orange price stickers on them, and they'd be in a bin somewhere. And like a fool, I didn't buy any of them. And those, of course, are pretty sought after. And they were a crazy company because they did these incredible plastic foam-lined boxes for their miniature lines. So if you bought a set of Army of Darkness figures, they came in this beautiful case for not much more money. So that's probably why they went out of business. (laughs) But they were were investing in their packaging more than they were investing in some of their other stuff. Um, But yeah, so that was 93 uh, Eden Studios, uh, some of you may know them as the, uh, publishers of role-playing games like, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, All Flesh Must Be Eaten, uh, Conspiracy Acts, a few others. They actually released a card game 
in 2004, which was an Army of Darkness card game. And uh, it's two to four players, takes 30 to 45 minutes to play, and it's just all the cards illustrated with pictures from the movie. Supposedly there's some issue with the card game, I've never played it, but it has something to do with, I think, Necronomicon cards coming into play, and if you get a certain number, the game basically ends. So effectively, you can deal out a hand and end the game. So <laughs> like like that, like the first turn, it can end. Not a great mechanic so, then. No, kind of a flawed mechanic, but supposedly there are some uh, variant rules online, like a board game geek and stuff like that. You can, if you do get a copy of the game, you can find a, a tweak that allow you to actually play it the way it was intended to be played anyway. Um, and then of course, for me, being the role playing game guy. Uh, the most important release game-wise was the Army of Darkness role-playing game, which was 2005, once again published by Eden Studios. Um, and it was written by the creator of Deadlands and Savage Worlds, Shane Lacey Hensley. Uh, it uses the Unisystem uh, mechanic from Eden, in this case the cinematic Unisystem. I'm throwing terms out at you, Arnold. You have no idea <laughs> what I'm talking okay. about. It's like another language. You're just speaking uh, but... to the audience at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, it's a 240-page glossy full-color book. I have it sitting right here next to me. It is gorgeous. And um, does it have amusingly, artwork from the movie in it? Yeah, or, it's it's yeah. all photos from the movie, but there's also original art as well. Cool. It's a, it's kind of a nice mix. But yeah, it's it's full-color glossy. It's it's just a beautiful book. The cover is a little weird, just the way that the material that was used for it. I'm not a big fan of this this type of cover, but but the contents are beautiful. And going back to what you were just talking about. On page 14, there's a, a little section heading amongst several other little section headings, and it's actually titled Within the Woods, which ah, I thought was a nice. nice little subtle nod. And uh, you can play, you know, basically anyone you want in this in this game, and it also, you know, crosses timelines. So they recommend uh, various archetypes, everything from archaeologist to folk hero to gladiator to gunslinger to viking, and then, of course, even game designer, which I thought was kind <laughs> of a nice little in-joke. And uh, one nice little tie-in with, you know, I mentioned that Shane Lacey Hensley wrote the rule book, and Bruce Campbell actually wrote the forewords to the original releases of uh, Deadlands oh, nice. for, for Shane. So that was, of course, during his whole Briscoe County phase. So, uh, uh, oh, there's another show I we know. could do right there. God, I love that show. But uh, yeah, so game-wise, that's uh, that is pretty much it. There's been there's a lot to choose from out there. Certainly, video games, card games, and an RPG board game. We've got all the comics we've talked about, toys. What else could we possibly? Well, one thing I'd like to say on. about the new movie is obviously we started at the very beginning with we both liked it. It's a yes. it's a tough job to go back to something that everybody is invested in emotionally and remake it, and not only remake it just enough to be entertaining. But as I tried to stress earlier, I think actually add depth of meaning and character to it, which I think they genuinely did. Besides the fact that this does an incredible job of balancing the requirements of satisfying fans who are never all going to be happy anyway. There are plenty of people who aren't with the remake. And yet trying to deliver something that could be equally entertaining for a new audience. And like you were saying earlier, hopefully this will bring in new fans. I think it's an example of a remade horror movie that has embraced how the genre is supposed to work and done an incredible job, whereas many of those desaturated ones we were talking about seem to be embarrassed by or afraid of the very thing that they're trying to work with, which is why they don't work so well. 
But what I thought was most interesting about this is that only a short while ago, we had Cabin in the Woods come out. And there was a movie, while not delving into it too much now because it's not the topic, and we also don't need to delve into it right now as far as spoilers are concerned. We can talk about that another time, even though that's been out for quite a while, is that we can at least say Cabin in the Woods is a movie that comes along after all the Evil Dead movies, after countless other films that have also traded on the basic premise of gather a bunch of people in a cabin for a horrific experience which Evil Dead is certainly not the only ones to have done that, and did an incredible meta film about the very nature of that premise, deconstructed it, found a new meaning in it, did something with it that almost made people feel like, well, now that's done. You can never actually go back and do a serious Cabin in the Woods movie again because Cabin in the Woods has now effectively – ended it by commenting on it and taking it apart piece by piece. And yet along comes this Evil Dead remake and proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is still room to just do exactly that, a straightforward Cabin in the Woods horror movie. It in no way was harmed by the meta film that preceded it, and it did an amazing job of reinventing the series. And I think that just shows there's a lot of potential left in that kind of horror and in doing remakes well that you in the same way that the scream movies took apart the slasher genre and yet there's still a lot of stuff going on right now there are a lot of movies going on right now where people are saying are cutting edge appropriately enough i didn't mean that but <laughs> uh, cutting edge movies that are reinventing slasher movies and you thought oh well, how can you do that now didn't scream kind of put all that to rest with taking it apart no not at all it's just a question of doing it right or doing it well and giving that, we were saying before, breath of fresh air, oddly enough. Talking about movies with decaying and dead people, we're talking about breath of fresh air. But I, <laughs> but I really think the Evil Dead remake did that. And it showed that you could make a meta commentary or a parody or a satire or a deconstruction. And in no way does that mean that you still can't go back to the original concept and make it work. Well, one thing I wanted to add too was that, uh, as a remake, I think it succeeds because it's uh, it's owned by its creators. Uh, you know, they really they really stepped up and they they made it something so it wasn't just a cheap knockoff. It wasn't just a uh, you know a, a Halloween revisited Absolutely. or a Friday the Thirteenth revisited thrown into the garbage. Pretty much, right? So many of those remakes have just been you know so bad. They were visibly and, involved every step along the way, and also visibly involved in promoting the film. Mm-hmm. So it was clearly a case of this isn't some studio that's taken the property and decided, well, it's time to recycle this thing now. It was the people who were intimately involved with it from the very beginning saying, look, we're handing this over, but we're doing it with an acknowledgement that we want it to meet a certain level of quality. Right. And I really think I, they did that. Well, look at all the remakes of, uh, you know, Carpenter stuff over the last few years and how, you know, not only has he, not been promoting those remakes. He's he's at, at at times actually come out against them. Yeah. Uh, so you know, of course, we've seen Halloween, we've seen The Fog, we've seen Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I mean, what else? There's just a few other ones, aren't there? Uh, they yeah. they had been trying to do a remake of uh, Oh the Escape Thing from of New course. York, and that didn't. That fortunately right. hasn't happened yet. Then they did the Thing remake prequel thing. <laughs> A movie that, that well, as a friends of mine have said, who have seen it, and I have not seen it, you'll be shocked to hear that. Yeah, I have seen it. But 
Um, I've had a lot of friends tell me it's okay, but it did not need to be made. That's exactly what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a movie that all along keeps telling you, you don't really need to ever have seen this ever. <laughs> we didn't need to make it. We could have all been working on something else, but here it is. There you go. And I definitely didn't get that with Evil Dead. No. And of course, another thing, we've been talking about toys, we've been talking about video games and gaming, all the merchandise. Surely there's no better indication that a franchise has arrived than when it's time for the musical to show up. Hell yeah. And Evil Dead the musical is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing. Amusingly, it's actually a thing that is going to be here in Portland um, as as we're recording this uh, this June at the I think mid June. Now it started in Toronto, yeah, in two thousand three, two thousand three, and was pretty much right away an instant hit. And the interesting thing is, I did come across one thing where the New York Times said it was the next Rocky Horror Show. I doubt that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess time will tell that kind of thing. I mean, you're talking about an enormous legacy on the other side there with that show. But certainly, it seems to have been received very well. And you were already talking about whether or not you want to go all out with your <laughs> Evil Dead the Musical experience. Yeah, you can sit in the uh, the first few ro- rows where you'll get completely saturated with blood, or you can sit to the rear of the theater and be safe. There you go. But... Now, yeah, I'm on the fence. Do I go for the whole experience? I don't know. It, it seems like it's silly to go all that way and then play it safe and not just get completely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Bruce didn't do that. Bruce, Bruce just yeah, stood right. up and let it all hit him right in the face. So how can you do any real, less than that? The real test of that whole Rocky Horror thing is to see if eventually somewhere down the line they, they produce a an Evil Dead, the musical movie. That's right. <laughs> if that well, I think if at that point, if it actually then winds up wrapping back around producer style, where they make a movie out of the musical made out of the movie, I think we can then officially call the entire franchise dead for real. Yeah, I think I think that's it at that point. <laughs> we may be in the ground before yeah. that happens, anyway. So that, by the way, is one of the things I also loved about it. There was very little in in the remake that, while there's plenty of nods to the past, there wasn't a lot that stepped out of a certain level of reality that this one really seemed to want to embrace that the others didn't. And yet there was that on the ground shot with Mm -hmm. the camera barreling toward the cabin again, that in a way almost felt, and I don't mean this negatively, almost felt out of place in the remake. Right. Because it was stylistically something that felt a little bit like the old movies, but not this one, but it was great to have that there. And, And I noticed they really only did it once. Mm-hmm. But just when it counted, and then that was it. Yeah, and I think the sound was pretty much almost identical. It might have been it? the same, but yeah, from what I remember, yeah. It's almost like Fede was like, okay, Sam, I'll give you this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, of course, we get Professor Nobi at the end, too. Oh, yeah. I did, however, find this old piece of paper over here that I thought I should read. Um, <laughs> it's got some words on it. I can't really make them out. Kandar. <laughs> no, stop! Stop! It says don't read it, but I'm sure that that's just crap. It's right fine. <laughs> and that'll do it for this episode of G2V. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Visit g 2 vpodcastcom for show notes and all the latest news. 
join our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at G2B Podcast. And if you have any comments, questions, or even ideas for upcoming show topics, send them our way via contact at G2Bpodcast.com. Our show music is by Brian Boyko and Frank Nora.